Shalom, this is Rabbi Thomas Davis Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue bringing you a teaching on Jewish misconception of Torah, subtitle Yeshua and the Oral Torah. Let me preface this lesson by saying there were two Torahs. There was the Oral Torah, that was the uh, written laws that provided a hedge around God's Torah uh, that uh, Shaul or Paul and Yeshua uh, essentially condemned where it conflicted with God's Torah. Again, where it conflicts with God's Torah, it was condemned. So we're talking about Yeshua uh, today and the Torah. And again, keep in mind the oral Torah is the traditions of men, those laws built around God's Torah. Two different Torahs. All right, God's Torah was never done away with, never abrogated, uh, quote-unquote, on the cross, etc., as taught by Christianity. All right, so the, uh, according to the Pirkei Avod, that's saying of the Father's uh, book, uh, the oral Torah was passed on to the generations after Moshe, including those of the late Second Temple period. This is the period in which Yeshua lived and taught. And in fact, Avot itself contains many quotations from distinguished Jewish sages who lived during that period. According to Dr. David Flusser, Professor Emeritus at Jerusalem's Hebrew University, he stated in his book, quote, Jewish Sources in Early Christianity, unquote, and again I'm quoting, Jesus was lived in a Jewish world, which flourishing within the framework of the written law, the Bible, and the oral Torah, which later became the Talmud. So, Flusser contends that Yeshua was in the thick of that world's religious conflicts. According to a growing consensus of modern scholars of the Brit Kadashah, or Refreshed Renewed Covenant, called the New Testament by Christians, Yeshua lived as an observant Jewish man, debating with a number of prominent rabbis of his day over issues related to both the written and the oral Torahs. Quote, Jesus was scrupulous in keeping the Jewish commandments, unquote, says Flusser. The question we have to ask as a believer is, what was his relationship to the oral Torah? Again, that's the one that have uh, all of the uh, rabbinical laws. All right. So at least two things can be said about Messiah, Yeshua, and the oral Torah. The first is not only was he familiar with it, but in certain aspects he lived by it or followed it. In Yeshua's day there were two schools of Phariseeism the school of Shammai, and the school of Hillel, representing two distinct understandings of oral Torah. Let me add that Shammai and Hillel were very influential rabbis of a generation just before Yeshua. The golden rule, by the way, was one of the teachings of Hillel, who was more liberal than Shammai. According to Flusser, when we examine Yeshua's position on matters of Jewish law, it appears that on some things he accepted the view of the more stringent authorities, as I said, the school of Shammai, and on the others, especially on matters of ideology, he was closer to the school of Hillel, whose motto was, quote, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, unquote. These views become evident when we examine Yeshua's teachings and compare them to other rabbinical teachings of his day. Apparently, Yeshua agreed with some interpretations of the written Torah, which the Oral Torah provided. However, accepting some teachings of Oral Torah is far different 
than accepting its divine origin. Nor does it mean that he accepted or agreed with its authority. I'm talking about the rabbis and the sages. <clears throat> so let us consider man's laws over God's Torah in the light of Yeshua. One example provides us a clue as to Yeshua's true attitude toward the oral Torah. In Mark 7, 1 through 8, Yeshua discusses with some other Pharisees the issue of ritual hand-washing before a meal. Unfortunately, many Christians take the subject out of context here and apply this passage to permitting consumption of unpermitted food. This passage is not about food, but about ritual hand-washing. Read the Torah. Yeshua's disciples did not follow the teaching of this group of Pharisees who took him to task for it. Verse 3 explains this group of Pharisees' custom, quote, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. This final phrase, observing the tradition of their elders, was conventionally used to denote the oral Torah. Yeshua was being reproved for failing to submit to the authority of oral Torah as observed by this group of Pharisees. So Yeshua gave his reasoning and his intended teaching and then uttered these crucial words in verses 7 and 8. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me with their lips, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Here we see that God's laws were not abrogated. He followed them. Of course, he wrote them. In stone, by the way. This was spoken of as a rebuke to those who had criticized him for breaking the oral Torah. It strikes at the very heart of the issue of written versus oral Torah. He tells them, as he would on other occasions, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Yeshua found no problem with the teachings of the Oral Torah when they provided insights or explanations that were true and accurate to the written Torah, God's Torah. Yeshua, by the way, is the living Torah. However, the times when the Oral Torah was granted authority equal to and even superseding that on the written Torah of God. And when this happened, Yeshua proclaimed the Oral Torah to be merely the teachings of men not of God. This is where Christians get so mixed up because their clergy never teach them that there were two Torahs, the oral Torah written by men and the written Torah of God that still exists, still in full force. In issuing such a rebuke, he was also stating that he did not consider the oral Torah to be authoritative for the man of God, the man of Torah. So we must still ask ourselves, is there any value to the oral Torah? As a Messianic Jewish believer, I do not accept the authority of the body of Jewish literature known as the Oral Torah, nor do I view it as the inspired Word of God. However, there can be tremendous value in reading and studying rabbinic literature. In fact, even Yeshua follows some rabbinic traditions. This is what I teach in the synagogue. If what the Oral Torah says that you're looking at, reading, or considering following does not contradict with God's Torah, go for it. But if it does, we had best choose God's Torah over the traditions of men. Dr. David Freeman is a Messianic Jewish scholar living in Israel. An expert on the Second Temple period, he pointed out that the early rabbinic literature, such as the Mishnah and the Talmud,
can be invaluable in helping us to understand the historical and religious background of the Beit Kaddishah or the Refresh Renewed Covenant. He stated as the Jewish Talmudic scholar Shmuel Safari of Hebrew University pointed out, Rabbinic literature and the Talmud in particular is by far our best source of understanding the structure, priestly function, sacrificial methods, and festival ceremonies of the Second Temple. Since Yeshua lived in this world, since he carried out his teachings at the temple, and since he sacrificed and attended festival ceremonies there, it's worthwhile to be familiar with the Talmud's description of these areas. And the Talmud is great for learning how to conduct logical argument on a number of subjects. In addition to aiding our understanding of the Brit Kaddisha, the Oral Torah can also serve to heighten the appreciation of all believers for the efforts that Jewish people have made throughout history to protect, preserve, spread, and interpret the scriptures. And in the first three chapters of Romans, it talks about that. What benefits have the Jew? And it talks about the preservation of, of, uh, of Torah. While we may disagree with some rabbinic interpretations, there are nevertheless other areas in which the oral Torah has been extremely helpful in its insights into the Torah and other parts of the Tanakh. Moreover, the rabbinic writings have been extremely beneficial in teaching us how to follow many commandments of God's Torah. For example, how do we affix a mezuzah on the door? How do we celebrate Pesach? How do we properly slaughter a kosher animal for food? The oral Torah provides many excellent suggestions for following these and other teachings of the written Torah. And while we don't consider the rabbi's instructions to be the only way to do these things, they nevertheless can prove very instructive. Furthermore, as we follow the rabbinic practices, so long as they don't conflict with either the Tanakh, that's the Old Testament, or the Brit Kaddishah, we are standing in solidarity with our people. Finally, reading and studying the Oral Torah lends tremendous insight into the minds of the great Jewish sages. As we learn what they thought, what they felt, and how they looked at life, we will better be able to understand and appreciate the Jewish sensibility throughout the ages. It's hoped this would help to curb the anti-Semitism that's run rampant through much of the church's history. But that will not end until the Messiah returns. It's now time for members of a radio panel, so to speak, to render an opinion. And I'm talking about you. Is the Oral Torah a real genuine Torah from the Holy One, equal to the written Torah in its power to transform a soul and its spiritual authority? Does the written Torah permit us to assume an oral Torah given by God to Moshe, but authoritative for every generation? Or are we to depend on the leading and teaching of the Spirit of God to apply Torah's precepts to our generation? Things for you to think about. At stake here, among other things, is the issue of spiritual authority. Are we to obey God's teachings as written? Or are we required to obey the megalith of minute details outlined by the rabbis in the oral Torah? Some believe that the Oral Torah is a fixed entity. We must do, they say, only what the rabbis tell us we're allowed to do, as expressed both in the Talmud and in their offices today. But do their laws carry true spiritual authority equal to the thus says the Lord of the Tanakh? Believers, the key issue is to live the Torah as God actually gave it. The first saying in Pirkei Avot provides a sad clue 
to the rabbinical idea behind Oral Torah. After informing us of the genealogy of the Oral Torah, the writer of the Mishnah exhorts us to, quote, make a sense for the Torah, unquote. That's what I talked about uh, previously. It must be said that the intentions behind the idea were beyond reproach. The sages, in search of a way to prevent their people from breaking the written Torah, decided to construct a fence around it. Eskehati writes, the Torah charges the rabbinical courts to devise provisions, decrees, and restrictions which will prevent a person from violating a law of the Torah. Now, the system of prevention, however, as admirable as it might seem, possesses an inherent flaw. What actually happens in this process is that the Torah, God's teaching in regard to his righteousness, is changed into man-made laws, which, not being the words of life, cannot bring forth life. Rabbi Shaul, this is Paul of Tarsus himself, thoroughly trained in the oral Torah, aptly says concerning the Torah teachers of his day, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, they seek to establish their own. And in doing so, they do not submit to God's righteousness. That's Romans 10, 1 through 8. God has revealed his mind, his heart, and his righteousness in the written Torah. The original writers recorded what he spoke to them with 100% accuracy. No one has the right to even make one change in this written revelation. And God warns against anybody who adds to or subtracts from his Torah. Their name will be taken out of the book of life. This is serious stuff here. If a halakha, that's Jewish law, is developed which does not match the Torah teaching exactly as written, it ceases to be consistent with the words of life and hence cannot bring forth the life of Messiah in the believer. So with this thought in mind, return with me to a prior teaching about living within the borders of Torah where the believer receives God's blessings. Halakha, which hits the mark, or at least lands inside it, is a life-giving Torah. Any and all halakha landing outside the mark, however, is not true Torah, and those outside it receive the curses. The words of Torah are the protective guards which God himself set in place for his children. Just as Abraham protected God's protective guards, then so must we found, be found faithful to do the same. That's in Genesis 26.5, by the way. When God gave the Torah... He also instructed us on how to view it. He specifically advised us that its commandments were not impossible to obey. Again, they are not impossible to obey. Because this is true, and knowing the tendency of man in his flesh, God was warning us not to develop a mentality that says, you must obey exactly as the experts say, it must be obeyed because their explanation is binding for their generation. Oral Torah consists of an interpretation of the written Torah, and according to traditional rabbis, an authoritative halakha based on that interpretation. Our loving Father knew what men would try to do to the written Torah, perverting it into an oral one. He knew that the oral Torah experts would pronounce the believer unable to understand the Torah, God's Torah, without their help. Knowing this tendency in people, the Lord wrote a safeguard for us in Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, and he said, For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. It's not in heaven that you should say, Who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us and make us hear it, that we may serve it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, 
who will cross the sea for us and get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may observe it. Unquote. Now Rabbi Shaul, Paul again, exhorts Messianic believers to this effect in Romans 10. Here, quoting Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, he explains how one who has God's righteousness views the Torah. And he says, quote, but the righteousness based on faith speaks thus. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss? Why does the righteousness based on faith speak in this way? Because the person with God's righteousness knows what his original instructions are to us were and still are. They are very clear. Now, Shaul was well versed in the oral Torah. He knew its pitfalls. He also knew that those who fostered the oral Torah were, in reality, turning the Torah into quote-unquote law. This law did not reflect the righteousness of God. Rather, it was the codification of man's righteousness. But Shaul said that one who has God's righteousness does not need to look high or low for its proper interpretation or application. Instead, God's Torah is always accessible to him. Romans 10.2 teaches us that a person can be zealous for God with a zeal not based on knowledge. Does zealousness confirm or establish truth? According to Shaul's teaching in Romans 10, such a zealot merely establishes his own righteousness while ignoring God's righteousness as expressed in the written scriptures. Even in the quote-unquote law-is-dead churches, do not men judge others by their own brand of righteousness? This is nothing more than, quote-unquote, a version of oral Torah. They have forsaken God's written instructions, replacing them with their own inventions, such as the Catholic Church replacing God's given Sabbath, the seventh day, with an eighth day, which they say is superior to God's Sabbath, and they made Sunday the Sabbath. They changed God's Torah. And Jews who follow the oral Torah do the same thing, adding to or subtracting from, which is forbidden by God. It's important to bear in mind that Judaism, as known by some of its most prominent scholars, does not consider itself a legalistic religion. Indeed, some of its most ardent spokesmen could cringe at the idea. The eminent Jewish New Testament scholar Pinkas Lapid affirms this idea when he says, quote, The rabbinate has never considered the Torah as a way of salvation to God. Rather, we regard salvation as God's exclusive prerogative so that we Jews are the advocates of, quote, unquote, pure grace. But the pure grace is based on following God's Torah out of love. That was a message I just finished recording a few moments ago. And you'll see it if you look on the podcast menu. So that may be true, at least in theory. But most of the traditional Jewish world has either lost sight of the biblical understanding or practiced their faith in such a way as to convey that the purpose of their obedience to Torah is to earn a place in the world to come. As Messianic Jewish believers, we must also consider Lapid's statement in this light. Quote, in spite of Judaism's purported emphasis on grace, one of Paul's main problems was the teaching of Judaizers who insisted that both Jewish and Gentile believers must obey the letter of the law, and I might tell you he was speaking of the oral Torah and not God's written Torah. Confusing the oral with the written Torah has been a stumbling block to the Christian community for over 2,000 years. 
I would love to discuss the difference with you if you are a Christian and you're beginning to become confused about what I'm talking about or you have questions about your own faith like why when the Sabbath has not been abrogated by God it's supposed to be the seventh day like it was when it was established in Genesis now on Sunday why are you following that why do you keep Easter and Christmas when those are pagan festivals I can tell you why because I know I've been to Christian seminary and have gone through Jewish teaching and through yeshiva but most Christians don't even know why they just do it because it's tradition that's what they've been taught we have to ask ourselves has the true Torah been distorted by the assignment of divine authority to the oral Torah and by legalistic obedience to the written you have to render your own decision your life here and now and in the hereafter will be affected by your decision as God says you know turn your heart toward home accept Yeshua and follow him accept him while it is still day there is a day when it will become night the door to the ark will be shut and the virgins who did not have the oil in their lamps will not be given access to eternal life may you be in the crowd of those the remnant of those who are ready and waiting Amen. I